0: I'd like to invite your attention this morning to Psalm 121. Psalm 121 we will continue looking at the Psalms of Ascent. We looked at Psalm 120 last Sunday. Today it's Psalm 121. It is good to see each and every one of you here in the house of the Lord gathered with God's people today. And before we... Read the Word of God. Let's do. go to the Lord in prayer. Father, come to you, Lord, asking you to bless the reading of your Word. And help me, your unworthy servant, as I proclaim uh, this message from your Word. And if there be any here today who know not Christ pray Lord that you will give them faith and repentance to believe today and help us all to have open ears and hearts O Lord God to your word in the name of Jesus I pray amen Psalm 121 beginning in verse 1 we read the words of the psalmist I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills the lord shall preserve thee from all evil he shall preserve thy soul the lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore as i said earlier we're looking today at the second of the psalms of ascent psalm 121 they were called the psalms of Ascent or or uh, it could, be, maybe in your Bible at the top, a song of decrees. Uh, decrees. Uh, either way, it was a, these were psalms, Psalm 120 to 134, 15 psalms total, that were believed to be sung and prayed as pilgrims made their way to Jerusalem to worship in one of the Jewish feasts to gather in Jerusalem. And last week we saw in Psalm 120 a, uh, a psalm that was really kind of a lament. I mean, it, you, you read it, he's crying out to the Lord, the first of them. He's crying to God. He is surrounded by liars and deceivers. He's probably in a foreign land, it's a pagan land, uh, away from Israel, away from Jerusalem. And he talks about that he's for peace, but they're all for war. Uh, But the whole Psalm 120 is about crying to God when you're surrounded by enemies, when you're surrounded by unbelievers. Psalm 121, our psalm today, though, is much more upbeat. And so this second of the Psalms of Ascent is a much more upbeat psalm. And he begins the psalm with a statement in verse 1, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Why the hills? Well, Jerusalem was set up on a hill. And if you were traveling to Jerusalem, uh, you you were coming, looking up toward a hill. He's anticipating being there. In Jerusalem, there was the temple. There was the Holy of Holies, and in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence would manifest itself over it. Uh, this was uh, the place that God had sanctioned for His worship. And he was anticipating it. He's looking to meet with God. and So I want to entitle today's message, looking to god and he he states right after he he states this that you know i will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence or where does my help come my help cometh from the lord he's looking to the lord his helper Uh, my help comes from god he's a traveler most likely this was sung by travelers they were coming from a great distance. Today, travel is so easy. I mean, it really is. Now, I know there's treacherous treacherous traveling. Uh, I mean, you're getting in your car, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. But compared to ancient times in the time of the psalmist, it's really convenient. I mean, if I wanted to, after service, I could fill my car up and head north. And keep going and by this time tomorrow a little afterwards I could be on the shores of Lake Michigan looking at Lake Michigan in less than 24 hours that's amazing isn't it totally different area and culture where uh, you can get on a plane you can go, go to the airport in Kenner get on a plane and within probably 12 hours you can be on a different continent you could be in Europe or Asia I mean we live in a totally different age than the psalmist lived it was treacherous traveling then just traveling a hundred miles was treacherous today we can do that in two hours or less it was a long journey with a lot of dangers highway robbers uh, and even just really just traveling periods you could have an accident going uphill going to these mountainous areas and their main way of traveling was foot by horse, by mule, or donkey. It could be very travel it could be very treacherous. But he's looking to God in this travel. He's looking to God. Where does his help come? Well, notice he says, my help cometh from the Lord, but the second part of that is which made heaven and earth. Now, when he wrote this The psalmist wrote this, the pagan lands surrounding Israel, the majority of them believed in territorial type gods. In other words, your God was strong in your country. Uh, I believe the Philistines had a God, Dagon, who was their territorial like God. But a lot of these, these, uh, these pagan nations, once they left their nation, they were fearful that their God had lost his power, they left his territory. It would be like us here in Springfield if we were a bunch of pagans, uh, believing that there was a God over this town or over Tangibahoe or over Livingston Parish or over Louisiana or over the United States. This was a common belief among the pagans of that day. But the psalmist is making a statement That the Lord, that is Yahweh or Jehovah, is no territorial God. He is the true God. He is the one who made heaven and earth. He has no boundaries. For He is the creator of all things. He has no boundaries. His power is unlimited. And the psalmist looks to the God who made heaven and earth for His help. Know this, my friends, that we live in a cruel world today. We it may be a lot easier for us to travel. Say, if you wanted to travel to Houston, that's a, to me it would be a long journey. But you could make it. It'd be, you know, it may be irritating, but uh, but traveling a long a long journey today is is fairly safe, though there's dangers. But when it comes to our spiritual life, it's full of dangers. Much more dangerous. Your spiritual journey in this world is much more dangerous than even you getting out on the highway or getting on a plane or getting on a boat. The devil wants to discourage us who are believers. He wishes to bring us down. He wants us to look at our circumstances that surround us. And that's so easy to do, isn't it? To look at your circumstances and cuz they're right there at, at you and you, you can get discouraged by what's going on around you and you don't do as the writer of hebrews states in hebrews 12:2 looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith we're to look to Jesus throughout our life my friends when we take our eyes off Jesus that's where our problems begin I guarantee you. Because then you start walking by sight rather than by faith. And we are called to walk by faith and not by sight, Paul told us. Uh, we can let the cares of this world crush us and we, we, we become discouraged. One of my favorite uh, stories in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15 is an incident in the life of our Lord Jesus and His ministry. Matthew chapter 15. I just love this story. Matthew chapter 15, and verse 21. Uh, and it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, now, let me just stop there for a minute. This woman of Canaan, this was not an Israelite. This was not a Jew. This was a Canaanite, a pagan. This was the group that God had told Moses and Joshua to wipe out. Remember that? The, under the Old Covenant. She came out of the same and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me. O oh Lord, Thou Son of David! My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I want to know, you to notice how this woman addressed Jesus. Her first words were, Have mercy on me. That's always good to cry out, my friends, to God. Have mercy on me. And then she addresses Him, O oh Lord, Thou Son of David. That's a significant title. That's a, that's a messianic title. That He is the heir to David's throne. She had heard this. And she's crying this out, and we'll see, by faith, this woman who had been brought up under pagan uh, heritage. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Hey, she's one of these, old, these pagan Gentiles, they're saying. Be answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I believe Jesus is testing her here. And notice what she says in verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs ain't of the, ain't of the crumbs which fall under their master's table. Look, she doesn't, she doesn't, she's not like, you know, in the story of the rich young ruler who says, I've done all this and all this. She doesn't claim anything for herself. It says, True, Lord. But I just want some of the crumbs. I just want some of the crumbs that you heal my daughter, that you drive this devil. Away And what did Jesus say? Verse 28, Then Jesus answered and said, said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as I will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Jesus says, great is your faith. And her daughter was healed. What did this woman do? And we can learn a lot from her. She, all the circumstances were against her. But she was looking to Jesus for her help. For her daughter's help, she remained focused on Jesus. It's too often we can let the things of this world crush us under its weight, and we not look to Christ. Going back to Psalm one twenty-one, he talks about in beginning of verse three that he he'll not suffer thy foot to be moved. He won't let you stumble. He keepeth, he that keepeth you does not slumber. Behold he that keepeth Israel. He doesn't slumber, nor does he sleep. Now, a key word there is keepeth. He that keepeth thee. He that keepeth Israel, the Lord is thy keeper. God will protect and keep you on your journey is the message. God does not slumber. Nor sleep. Now man will slumber and sleep. We got to sleep. We'll slumber. Look, I'm not a morning person. I have to be at work at 6 in the morning or 7 in the morning, depending on my shift. That means I get up at either 3.30 or 4.30. I'm not a morning person. But I put a, on my alarm, I, put, uh, I have an alarm that goes off and it's an irritating sound. I don't want a soothing sound on my alarm because if it does I'll goes back off. But I want something to really cause bring me up from the slumber. But God doesn't slumber. He doesn't get drowsy. God doesn't sleep. And that's comforting. For unlike man, uh, man can only help you so much. Your police can only help you so much. The fire department. But God never sleeps nor slumbers. He protects His people day and night and is ever vigilant. Uh, What is the last petition? Or you might say two petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, He is the one who keeps us from temptation. If you trust yourself, you're likely to go into that temptation and give in to that temptation. That's why our prayer should be, lead us not into temptation. Not that the Lord would lead us into temptation, but He's leading us away from these things that will harm our soul and our spiritual walk. But deliver us from evil. Deliver us from Satan's traps. That should be a prayer that we pray every day. He is our keeper. He is the one that keeps us from stumbling spiritually. Too often though, we'll rely on our flesh. And as I said earlier, we take our eyes off of Christ and we walk by sight. And it's important that we remember the words of King David in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses 7-12. through David says something very important. we need to always remember because sometimes when you're, if you're at work or you're at home, you're on the road, you're at school, you may feel all alone and that God's not with you and that I'm just being crushed. I wish I was at home, away from all this. But note what it states David states in Psalm 139, "Whither shall I go from thy spirit?" And whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up from heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not From thee, but the night shineth as the day; the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Know that in our spiritual walk, no matter where we're at, if you're a child of God, God's presence is there with you. He has not left you there alone. He is your keeper, my friends. He is the one who's watching over you. Our problem is we lose faith. We we take our eyes off of Christ. We start trusting our emotions rather than God. One of the sad things that I see happening in Christian Christianity today is so-called Christian deconstruction or or deconversion, where we've seen people who have professed faith in Christ. They may have pastored for years, may have a lot of theological degrees, and then they renounce their Christianity. They don't just leave the church, they renounce Christianity. And because they said the Bible's left them, you know, they don't understand parts of the Bible, it's made them lose their faith, or they've been hurt by the church, and they leave the faith. You know, they say, well, so many hypocrites in the church. Well, have you read the New Testament letters of Paul? I mean... Paul mentions, I mean, 1 Corinthians. The church had a lot of hypocrites in it. You read Galatians, they had a lot of problems there. And it's not like, well, hey, if we could just go back to the way it was in the first century in the New Testament where everything was just great and there were no problems. No, they had the same problems we do. We take our eyes off of Christ, and p- many of these people, of course, I don't, if if I believe the Uh, These people, they never knew Christ in the first place. They had, had their eyes on man rather than upon Christ. They never had faith in Christ. It's important though, as Christians, we always look to Christ. Look, people around you will discourage you. This world will discourage you. But we're to look to Christ. Going back to Psalm 121 again, uh... The last two verses, uh, he talks about the Lord shall preserve thee in verse 7. And in verse 8, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. Now, when I was studying this, I found it, I was kind of taken aback. I said, boy, that, because I did a little word study. And did you know the word preserve in verses 7 and 8 is the same as the word keepeth? And I said, why did the King James translators change, you know, why did they put preserve? Because it's the same Hebrew word. I'm not a Hebrew expert. There had to be a reason. And I noticed, I looked at some other translations. A few of them did the same thing. I believe the reason is here is that the psalmist, and they understood this, That in the context, the psalmist now talks about the keeping part is preserving you from these things. He's talking about, he, yes, the Lord keeps you, but now he's speaking of it in a preservation style here in verses 7 and 8. To preserve means to maintain, to keep alive, to protect, to keep safe is the meaning. Uh, the emphasis in verses 7 and 8 on the word uh, that's used for, pres- that we have translated preserve, is God's eternal keeping of his saints from all evil. He keeps, He preserves, He protects us, my friends. He keeps us safe. Uh, it's important that we believers remember this, that the saving and the keeping of the saints is not found in us. And there's a lot of people who believe, they'll say, Jesus saved me, but I, it's my, kind of my job to keep myself. Now, they won't say it in an exact way, but their emphasis is Totally upon their works. Like there's a cooperation, they believe, between their works and God's work. No such thing. Salvation is 100% the work of God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, John chapter 6 and verse 37, he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, what does Jesus say? Who's going to come to Him? All that the Father, not some, but all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And Him that cometh to me, what? I will in no wise cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We who are saints have been given to Jesus Christ by God the Father, and Jesus loses none. He perfectly preserves and keeps us, my friends. That's father uh, emphasized in john chapter 10 verses 27 through 29 where jesus again states very similarly my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me and i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You're eternally secure in Christ, my friends. You're perfectly preserved by Him. No one is able to snatch you out of His hand. As was mentioned by Brother Jimmy in our first service, you know, Jesus, he, look, he, His was an eternal sacrifice. He paid it all. He, he paid it completely. You don't do anything, my friends. Even the faith that we have is a gift from God. Now look, there's people today who have false assurance. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who are trusting in a prayer they said. And that's all they trust in. They trust in walking down an aisle or raising their hand in revival meeting. But our assurance is not found in anything we've done. It's found in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. We're told in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11-13. through And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son and he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may may believe on the name of the Son of God. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you can have full assurance you are His. If you're looking unto Him, uh, that is a great assurance. He preserves us completely. That's why the Apostle Peter states in 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 through 5, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter reminds us that our salvation is kept and preserved by God and God alone. That our place in heaven is reserved and that this salvation is fadeth not away and the psalm ends very beautifully here in psalm 121 uh uh, the lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore i just love that it means wherever you're going he's preserving you he you're going out and you're coming in it's uh uh, I don't know if the psalmist borrowed that from Moses. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, verse 6, uh, uh, states very similarly. Uh, ver- verse 6 states, Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. And Proverbs chapter 2, verse 8 states, He preserveth the way of his saints. That's comforting to know. That God is keeps us, my friends. We are called to look to Him in this life. Not to look to your circumstances, not to look to yourselves, but to keep your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Christian, let me ask you today, are your, your eyes on Christ, or your circumstances beating you down? They will do it. Satan wants to take your eyes off of God. Keep your eyes on Christ. We're traveling to the New Jerusalem, one greater than the one the psalmist uh, looked to. Uh, We're traveling to the New Jerusalem. Don't let the world, the devil, and this flesh lure you off the path and discourage you. If you're here today and you're lost, you don't know Christ. You don't have assurance. I call you today to look to Jesus Christ for salvation. Christ died on the cross for sinners and arose three days later. Don't look to your good works. Don't look to your yourself or something you've done. Look to Christ today for salvation by faith. And I want to close with a benediction found in the book of Jude, verses twenty four and twenty five. Only one chapter where Jude closes out his letter. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. amen. And Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we come to You... Lord, and all that we can do is, Lord, look to to You, God. To keep our eyes upon You. To keep our eyes upon Christ and know that the Holy Spirit is here with us. That He's with us and we're on a journey to the new Jerusalem. That though our circumstances against us may seem to be crushing us down and speaking against us O Lord, let us not look to them, but to look to You, our Almighty Savior. And if there be any here today who know not Christ, O Lord, convict them even now of their need of salvation. Give them faith and repentance to look to Christ alone and to turn from their sins. In His holy name I pray. Hey, Amen.